Right, you may take a seat, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome along to Queen's Birthday Royal Rumble. I said, let's hear some enthusiasm. Welcome along to the Queen's Birthday Royal Rumble. Now, if you're new to this church, you'll understand we are loud because nothing is worth remaining silent for. So tonight, when you hear the three amazing preachers tag-teaming tonight, you are to be noisy. I said noisy. That is awesome. And don't wait to take notes and don't spend time on Instagram and don't Facebook. Get into it and make some noise. You've got it. You've got it. All right. Let's hit it. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Let's hear it now with a background training at the gym of Equippers College and coached by the world famous Jakey L, a youth and young adults pastor who walks the walk and talks the talk. She's the smiling assassin who kills unbelief and yet loves preparing food for the body and soul. Never mind what The Rock is cooking. Give it up for Leela the Baker Bird. This hunter from the Hauraki Plains doesn't shy away from the tough stuff, even if he does shy away from the occasional man hug. He survived being a rural youth pastor in tents, so there's nothing he can't handle. A thunderous voice, you can't avoid this guy. He's a carpenter, so he knows how to build up. And he's a preacher who knows how to tear down the enemy's lies. Give it up for Scott, the Terminator, back! And last but not least, Interrupting Blues Game broadcast since last year. You'll find it hard not to laugh when this man brings the fire. He's known to spend nights at home in the wilderness of West Auckland seeking God or, or trolling your news feeds. Oh no, hang on. He's given that up for Daniel Fast. Jokes aside, you'll leave feeling better on the inside after this man speaks. He gathers people and scatters fears and insecurity. He's the king of cheese, and he preaches Jesus. Make some noise for Ben, the bandwagon, Greenwood. So everybody, up on your feet, up on your feet, up on your feet. This is a tag team, but these guys aren't tag teaming against one another. They're tag teaming to slam down the enemy and lift up the king. So come on, are you ready? Let's get ready to rumble! Woo! Isn't that the best intro we've ever had for a speaker in church? Let's Give it up for Mark! <laughs> If pastoring fails you, you can always take up a job as a ring announcer. <laughs> Grab a seat. Um, contrary to popular belief, Scott and I will not be wrestling on stage tonight. After, after. 
before the movie. Well, good. Hey, tonight, um, with Queens... <laughs> I'll just pick up there, Ben, thanks for that. Uh, tonight, with uh, Queen's birthday, everything going on, uh, tonight we thought we're going to take a moment uh, across tonight. The three of us are going to share our thoughts, uh, what the Bible has to say about this whole thing of royalty. Uh, it is the Queen's birthday after all. Uh, and so tonight we're going to open up, uh, look at royalty. What does royalty look like? What, what does that mean for us, royalty in the kingdom? Um, but yeah, Ben, what's your thoughts around royalty? Well, growing up in New Zealand, we're not, uh, we don't have a monarchy here in New Zealand. We are connected uh, to the English monarchy. So I don't know, growing up, I wasn't directly affected uh, by it. So my perspective is a little bit twisted on what, um, so twisted's probably the wrong word. <laughs> my perspective is a little bit whack in terms of what our royalty is. So maybe you're a little bit like me. We thought we'd put up some photos of what we think uh, New Zealanders often perceive royalty to be. So uh, they'll come up and we'll just discuss them if you, they release it. Obviously there's the queen. And uh, if it's not the queen that you know, you might know this queen. <laughs> or some of you a little bit older might know this queen. <laughs> Let's go to the next slide. Obviously they've got the princes, Prince Harry and Prince William. Uh, which you may know, uh, otherwise you guys might know uh, Prince, the musician as well. Who else we got, Scotty? No idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I think Sorry, I set team. you up for failure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Māori King. If you didn't know, we do have a monarchy here in New Zealand. That's right. Uh, it is Māori King. And then um, Leela. LeBron. There we go. Very good. So uh, often when it comes to thinking about royalty, we're often processing uh, through some of these things because we put royalty, the label royalty, on a whole bunch of different things. Yeah. And um, so we've, as we can see, we, we can often think of royalty as in, in so many different things and so many different people and so many different lifestyles. But we just want to open up with um, a scripture from the Bible about what royalty is, and that's 1 Peter 2.9, which says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this wonderful light. You can see, in that scripture there, it kind of opens up this concept that God's chosen us to live as royal priests. We're actually being chosen God's position, the way we operate with him as the king and us uh, as his sons and his daughters. Actually, it starts to open up this concept that actually there's something about our position in God and our position in the kingdom that has this royal nature to it. Uh, that we're supposed to live, carry, outwalk ourselves with, with something of a royal mindset. But like Ben, with the pictures understood, there's, there's often, if we think about royalty, we think about kings and queens um, ruling over nations and stuff. And there's similarities to how they ruled. But then you look at Jesus as the king of the Jews. Uh, and you look at how he lived and he outworked that there's similarities but there's differences in it as well and tonight we want to look at come on what does it look like what does it look like for you and i to stand as sons and daughters as a royal priesthood i'm going to open it what does that look like for us to outwork that but look at the life of jesus and go well if he was the king of the jews well what does royalty look like that 
dying a criminal's death, serving the world around us. And this whole concept has got, to, has got to shape our mind. But the first thing we've got to get our heads around, the fact is that we are sons and daughters of God. That we are the royal priesthood that God's called us to do. And so hopefully, uh, with a bit of luck, we might be able to tap into the video. Probably that label that says video not working. Uh, it's a good sign that the video's not working. Uh, what, what, what was the video? I believe it's your favorite, isn't it, Scotty? Yeah, yeah, second favorite. favorite. Princess Diaries. Uh, anyone seen the scene? where she finds out that she's finally, uh, she finally realizes that she is uh, the princess of Genovia. Uh, done my research. But there's a moment of sinking in in the movie. If you've seen it, if you haven't, um, probably don't waste 129 minutes of your life. Uh, you really watch but, it, watch it. Sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, Pastor Kathy. Uh, but in the movie, there's a moment when, when it sinks in, when she actually realizes it. And I, I don't know about you, in life, there's uh, things that go on, and sometimes we can know things, but then there's a sinking in that takes place, like good and bad. I remember um, growing up, a certain group of friends of mine, uh, you ever got friends in your world that just pull the stupid out of you? Like, really well, just uh, pull the stupid out of you. Um, I grew up, grew up in, a, in a small town called Thames, uh, small quiet place uh, about an hour from here and in that kind of town especially in your late teens you got to start to discover your own ways to make fun uh, and keep yourself entertained and one thing i grew up i grew up skating so i grew up as a skateboarder um and one thing we used to do uh later on at nights every now and again i uh, gotta be careful here because my mother's sitting right there uh but <laughs> One thing we used to do is, uh, every now and again, uh, Tim's in the day is quiet, so at night it's like dead. Uh, and so we'd get on our skateboards and hold on to the back of the car. Uh, and then someone would drive uh, fast enough. And then when we got to a certain point, when you got too scared, you'd let go. Uh, and then you'd just stare yourself. And it was all good. It was going all right until one night I decided to do it. And I had this certain group of friends who just pulled the stupid out of me really well. Uh, and one night we were doing this, and then we drove past, and... My mate saw a shopping trolley and goes, hey, you know what would be a good idea? If you get in the shopping trolley, you hold on to the car and then I'll drive you down the street. And so uh, at about 17 years old, I thought, hey, that's a good idea. That'd be awesome. Uh, and so at 17 years old, I jump in the shopping trolley and I'm, I'm standing in this trolley and I start hold, holding on to this car. And they just start, and I'm like, take it slow, take it slow. And then he starts getting up speed. And we're probably getting about 30, 40 clicks uh, at this time. We're starting to get quite fast. And now on a skateboard, you let go and you can stare. One thing I learned is you cannot stare as trolley when you're standing in it. And it was about, it was about, it was about 40 kilometers an hour when, when it sunk in. Like, this is a stupid idea. Uh, and I just hold on. And so I freak out and I just let go. And I'm like trying to stay and the trolley just goes from one side to the other and then it just turns and hits the curb. Uh, and I went flying on the ground and across the thing. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's why I have some twitches. Uh, but, but it was that moment when, when you realize, when something sinks in. And I reckon when it comes to this whole concept of the fact that you and I are sons and daughters of God, I think that can sink in a whole lot more. To actually start to understand that, no, God calls us, He sees us as heirs to His throne, as heirs in the kingdom. And um, 
Uh, in Romans 8, 15, our, it says this, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are if we are able to share in His glory, we must also share in His sufferings. And tonight, I'll, to start off with, I just want to unpack and pick up this whole concept of the fact that, come on, we've got to get it through our minds that we are in God's sight, His sons and daughters. We are in God's minds, His royal heirs. In God's minds, we're designed and created to live with that sense of authority, that sense of significance, that sense of dignity, that sense of security, and knowing that we are. And you see, when Jesus came and died on the cross, it wasn't just so that He could forgive us of our sins and we carry on a normal life, but with forgiven sins. No, he came and died on the cross. So when he forgives us of our sins, we step into a new reality. A reality that means, no, in God we have authority. A reality that means in God that we are his sons and daughters. A reality uh, that's in God's. And, but the, the whole concept of the sons and daughters, understanding that's who we are, is one thing we've got to realize is the fact it's not something we earn. You don't earn the right to be a son. You don't earn your way the right to be the heir. No, it's something God created for us. It's a way God designed it through His cross, gave us access to. It's not like if you get enough gold stars, you'll soon get a gold crown. It's not like that. In God, He died. When we receive Him, we become uh, this way. But the, the tension here is simply this. I, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't grow up in royalty. Uh, I grew up in Thames. Uh, <laughs> I grew up as the, the youngest brother uh, in my family. I, I, so I grew up knowing the realities of hand-me-downs, uh, the realities of the crust in the last piece of bread in the, in the loaf. I, I grew up with the realities of limits. I, I grew up with the realities of limited thinking. I, I grew up with the realities that actually I'm just ordinary and really not that significant. It's, it's a reality we grow up with, but it's not a reality God calls us to live with. Because God calls us to live with significance. He calls us to live with a, with a mindset that's limitless and abundance. He calls us to live with authority. But I don't know about you, the tension is, is I didn't grow up that way. So although the moment I received Jesus, I become his son. I become an heir to him. I become a, a prince in, in this kingdom, and so do you. That's the reality. But the tension is, is my mind isn't there. I don't actually understand that. And that's where the whole thing of, we gotta allow God to transform our thinking. We've actually gotta allow God to renew our minds. And you know, uh, when it comes to um, this whole thing of transforming our minds and, and renewing our thinking, it's so important. If, if you wanna outlive the call that God has for you, the destiny God has for you, it starts with understanding who God has called you to be. It starts with understanding and living because you'll never be able to dream the dreams God wants you to dream. You'll never be able to have the vision God wants you to carry. Because when you see it, you'll say, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not big enough for that. But the reality is we got to allow God to transform us so we can dream big, so we can carry vision big. We can live with a dominion and authority in the way we live. But in Proverbs um, 3, 21, it simply says this, under three things, 
the earth trembles. Under four, it cannot bear up. The first one is this, a servant who becomes a king. A servant who becomes a king, the earth can't handle it. And it's not saying, and what, what, what I believe is getting at here is the fact that the mentality of a servant can't handle the role of a king. And if we have a mentality of a servant or mentality of a slave, but we're trying to live in this royal position, actually it's never going to work. That actually a, a slave or, or someone like you and I, we, we grow up knowing that actually the reality is we're not that significant in a big wide world. That there is limits. And so when a slave becomes a king, he has this internal reality like, actually, I don't have that much value. I don't have that much authority. I don't have that much significance. Yet the world looks at them as, no, you're now king. What you say matters. What you do matters. But the slave himself doesn't look like that way. So instead of ruling over this kingdom, they end up damaging the kingdom around them. They end up hurting people because they come loose with their words. Oh, because my words don't really matter that much. My behavior doesn't matter that much. But I wonder what it looks like if we'd stop and go, no, as believers in Christ, what we do matters. What we say matters. How we believe matters. How we look matters. How we turn up to work matters. And we need to live with this reality that in the kingdom of God, it matters. You matter. You have significance. You see, if you look at the life of Moses, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, not by accident, because God knew in his future he was going to have to lead 1.5 million people. But he had to train Moses as a child how to think like royalty, how to think like leading nations. And so Moses didn't grow up in Pharaoh's house by accident. Although he, he walked away and tried to do things in his own strength, when God called him back, the reason in the desert Moses looked different and thought different to the slaves is simply he had a different mindset because he grew up different. They grew up as slaves where Moses grew up in royalty. And so when there was moments of lack, like lack of food, the slaves, what do we do? Poverty mindset. We fear. We think there's not going to be enough. What does Moses do? Come on, turn to God. There's going to be a way. We can get through this. It's a different mindset. But we're going to take our slavery and our poverty and our pauper mindset and start to understand God hasn't called us to think that way. He's called you to think. I love the fact that there's times when the slaves will go, why have you brought us out here? But the security in Moses, because God has. Because God has called us this way. You see, in life, it's not always going to be easy just because you live, we understand we're sons and daughters of God. We're called to live in this royal thing. It doesn't mean life's just smooth. But it does change the way we react. We respond. We act towards these things. No, just, just as finish up before we hand on to Leela. You see, when, what, what we don't discover internally, we'll, we'll try and find it externally. And, and you can look at the life of Jesus and you know, he's the king of the Jews, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords. But even on earth, he didn't find the need within himself to defend who he was. He didn't find the need in himself to have people around him to edify who he was, to build him up. Why? Because his security was in God. His, significant was in, his significance was in Jesus, which enabled him to serve this world and serve the world around him in a way no one else could. He could completely let go of himself because he understands it doesn't matter how people see me because I know how God sees me. 
I can die a criminal's death and be all right with that. I don't need the world to look to me in this moment like that. Why? Because God's looking at me. And I think inside of all of us, we got to come to a point where we settle the fact that we're significant to God. Because if you don't, you'll look for your significance somewhere else, in your career, in your grades at university. And when those things fall over, our world falls over. Why? Because there's something inside us where we haven't settled it. No, I'm, God calls me a son. God calls me royal. God calls me. That's how God says, not based on my acts, but just because that's how God designed me. And that's the way he's called us to relate with him. It's the, it's the way he's called us to live with him. It's the way he's called us to act with him. That we approach him like a father. We approach him like a son to a king, not a slave to a king. That we approach him that way. Not like your friend's parents when you first go around to their house and, yes, sir, no, sir. Yeah, I'll have a little bit more dinner. No, I'm all right. No, come on. When you approach God, it's with a confidence and knowing he's your father. But here's the deal. We've got to realize we're royal. But when you realize I'm a son of the king, I'm a prince, I'm a royal priesthood, it's got to, it's got to affect the way you act. It's got to affect the way you, you relate, you act. Yeah. And, yeah. and the thing about being royalty is you can't act in ordinary ways any longer. You can't be royalty and act normal, act ordinary anymore. And, you know, there are standards to being royal. There are standards in our way of living to being royal that we now have to change some things about our lives, change some things about the way we used to do things, the way we used to speak about others, the way we used to speak to others. That has to change. And you see, you and I, we were born bound to the ordinary. But Jesus made a way for us to live an extraordinary life. So I want to ask the question tonight, put it out there. Why do we... um, Why do we sell ourselves short sometimes? You know, why do we live in a way that is not royalty when Jesus did everything needed for us to live an extraordinary life? I just want to read out a verse, Ephesians 4.1. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you, live a life worthy of your calling. If I ask you tonight, could you answer, are you living a life worthy of the calling God has for you? You know, when someone's royal, the thing is they don't need to go around telling people they're royal. Queen Elizabeth doesn't go up to people and say, do you know I'm queen? (laughs) By the way she lives, by the way she dresses, by the way she acts, by the way she conducts herself, you know as soon as she walks into a room, she is royal. And that should be the same way with you and I. When we walk into a room, do people know that we're royal? Do people look at us and think there's something different about the way they act? There's something different about their standards of living that I wanna go find out what it is. You see, there's this thing um, that once you understand that you're saved, you know, you can understand you're saved, you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God, you're adopted into this royal family, but then you can live in a very different way. You can live in a way that's actually opposite that. And you know, there's this thing called sin that really holds us back. It holds us back from being everything God's called us to be. You know, one quick, we don't have enough time to go into it, but one way of defining sin is falling short of God's plan for us. It's the second best option for our lives. 
another way to describe it is, um, is that we miss out on God's best for us. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna miss out on God's best for my life. Once you get to know God, you realize there is an amazing God who loves me and has plans better than what I could come up with. God has a life that is better than what we could come up with. And it's not until we get to that point of realizing, like what Scott mentioned, that we're not gonna step into everything God has for us. And do you know it's dangerous to have a casual attitude towards sin? It's really dangerous. And I think nowadays, a lot of us can be casual towards it because the world has so much sin in it. But you know when you, when you sin and when you don't do anything about it, when you just continue to sin in an area, it opens a door for the enemy to come into our lives. And that can trip us up and stop us from being all who God called us to be. So the world approves of many things that God doesn't for our lives. That's something we have to realize. And how do we know what that standard is? Well, for me, the best way that I've found to know what the standard is for living this new life God has for me is the Word of God. It's reading the Word of God every day. The Word of God has the power to change us if we allow it to. So I want to encourage you, if you don't read it every day, pick up the Bible. Just start somewhere. It has the power to change us and it teaches us of a new way of living. So we are royalty. You are royalty whether you realize it or not. Whether you realize it or not, you are royal. But you and I are going to have to make a choice every day to walk in that royalty. We have to make a choice every single day. So how do we live this extraordinary life with a new standard of living? It's using God's grace. God's grace is what helps us to live this new standard. And you know, sometimes you can, when you're new to Christianity, or even if you're here tonight and you don't know God yet, I wanna say from my life experience, this life with Jesus is so much fun. You know, you can look at it and think, oh, there's a standard we have to live at now. That can't be much fun. There's a, a Bible that tells you what, you know, things that you should live by. But actually, I've had more fun being Christian than I did when I was away from God, sinning, doing my own thing. Far better, a far better life I have now than I could have ever dreamed or imagined. So the grace of God is what helps us to live as royalty. Paul says this, he says this in 1 Corinthians, I am what I am by the grace of God. I love that. Paul, if you didn't know, he was someone who did amazing things in the Bible. He did so many incredible things and he said, I am what I am, not by my own strength, not by my own power, but by the grace of God, and I love that. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that works within us. You see, the Bible defines God's grace as his power. I wanna live every day with God's power. I don't wanna live every day by my own strength only. And you know, it was a few weeks ago, I had a week where I was really frustrated about something. And I would go to sleep at night frustrated. I would wake up in the morning frustrated. And I said to God, what do I need to do? What can I do to stop this frustration? I was so annoyed at it. And the thing with, that God said, um, that I really felt him teaching me 
was that we get frustrated when we try to do God's job with our energy and our strength. When we take the place of God and when we take our eyes off Jesus and put them onto ourselves, I know that's what I was doing. I didn't realize it until the end of the week, that the whole week I'd taken my eyes off God and I'd put them on myself. And that is such an easy way to get frustrated, is when you don't live this new life of royalty with God. You see, he doesn't ask us to do anything that we can't do. He gives us all we need to live this new, amazing life that he has for us. So how do you access the grace of God? You access the, the grace of God by faith. You access it by believing. Romans 5.2 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. I love that. We do not have to do anything in our own strength. God gives us everything we need to live an amazing, amazing life. And you know one thing I learned as I started to get to know God a bit better was that we can't look at our future anymore with limitations. Do you know there are standards to dreaming in the kingdom of heaven? There is a standard of dreaming that we need faith in order to do so. We can no longer look at our future in the eyes of our own resource. We get to now look at the future with the resource of the God of the universe. We no longer have to look and dream into the future with our own capabilities and our own gifts in mind. I can now look into the future confident that every time I step out in faith, God will back me. And I wanna encourage you tonight, every time you step out in faith, God will never let you down. He will never let you be put to shame. So when you look at your future, do you have eyes of faith? So one last thing I just wanna actually talk about with that is don't give up dreaming because it will eventually show up in your life. God's word, it confirms and it just highlights to us that in time, things will be made known. You know, you may have been dreaming of something for a long time, but there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. And at the right time, God will show it through your life. It will be made evident. So don't ever give up, don't ever lose hope. And one last thing, in order to do this, to live this amazing life, we have to, you, we have to access the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you didn't know, is God's way of helping us, of giving us strength, of giving us wisdom. I know for my life, I couldn't do what I do without God's, without God's help. I just couldn't, and the Holy Spirit has become my, my constant friend, my constant companion that every day I can ask for help from. And one last thing, we have to remember that this privilege of being royal has a purpose has a purpose. That's great. And there's a good question. There's a good question for you. Is it by purpose you've been made royal or is it out of your royalty you now have a purpose? Actually, don't answer that question. I just realized as I was saying it, it's the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I was trying to go for a seamless transition like you guys had. Why don't you turn to the person next to you, say, I'm royal. Uh, Sing the song, sing the song. (laughs) Worst team come up. I got. Uh, 
Admittedly, I'm trying to wrap my head around this royalty thing um, because when I walk into work on a Monday, um, my co-workers don't bow down to me. As, as much as I'd love to tell Colin Hollingsworth, when I enter the room, you bow. <laughs> uh, uh, when I go to youth on a Friday night, it's not because of my royal position that I can score buckets on them. That's just pure talent and skill. Um, <laughs> As I so I'm wrapping my head around this royal thing, um, but to do that, I was, I was re I've been reading the book of Esther. It's mandatory reading in my household. <laughs> my, my wife, Esther, um, she wants to continually remind me how a queen should be treated. <laughs> um, but as I've been reading, I, I've been fascinated with the story of Esther. It's a wicked, wicked story. Uh, and I'm just gonna give you the concise Ben version tonight. Um, Basically, what's going on in the book of Esther, King Xerxes is running the show. He's the lord of all the lands, and one night he wants the presence of his queen. And she decides that she's going to have a, I'm a strong, independent woman, don't need no man night. So she says to him, oh, she, so when she's asked to come and present herself, she, uh, she doesn't show. And this has never happened to the king before, so he consults his wise counsel. He says, what should I do? They say, well... Um, if the word gets out and people find out about this, right across the land, women won't listen to their husbands. So you need to make an example of her. <laughs> so he uh, banishes her from his presence forever, problem solved. Now, but the thing is, it leaves King Xerxes without a queen. Now get this, <laughs> this is pretty cool. This is a crazy plot. This is a, this is a very interesting uh, concept and story. Here's what he does. He gets agents to go into the region and find the most beautiful and compatible woman they can find. Once they find them, they bring them in and they go through a series of treatment and tasks until one is found favorable in the king's eyes. Um, now, I've heard many preachers before um, explain this or title this as uh, God's beauty pageant, um, but it's really more like your guilty pleasure and favorite reality television show, The Bachelor. Yeah, yeah, kings have been doing it for years. There's nothing new under the sun. There's, um, <laughs> so as they, they're going out, they're finding, they're finding the woman. Uh, the woman that finds favor in the sight of the king is a woman named Esther. Now, she was just an orphan Jewish girl who was adopted into, uh, by her older cousin, Mordecai, and he raises her up, he sets her up. Uh, she was the one that the king found most compatible. Now, as they're preparing her to be wedded and to present her before the king, uh, she has to go through six months of treatment um, with oils and myrrh. So I know girls like coconut oil and all of that stuff. She gets six months of beauty treatment and that, and then she gets six months of treatment in uh, lotions and perfume. Now, every time I've read the story, I've always thought of it like this. Scott, stand up. I know some of you have been wondering if this was for me perspiring while I speak. Um, every time I think about it, I think six months of treatment and perfume must just look like this. Anyone else with me? Six months. It smells like my high school school bus. <laughs> just, just six months of treatment and perfumes. <laughs> I'll let you go, Scott. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got no lotion. And Flashbacks to the changing oh rooms at school. <laughs> See, every time I read the story, that's how I'd picture it. But it wasn't like that. It was, uh, it was lavish 
It was treatment for the elite. It's your ideal girls. It's your ideal beauty treatment. It's all the pampering you've ever done. You guys breathe all right? <laughs> this is normal for me. This is just my bedroom smell. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <Lynx> Africa. <laughs> Product placement. Uh, <laughs> She's getting the most lavish, the most incredible treatment. And I believe in that 12 months of treatment she had before she was presented to the king, I imagine every want she ever decided, they said any clothing or jewelry she wants, she could have for herself. So every want she ever desired, I believe was fulfilled. I believe every need she ever had and ever wanted, it was in that moment met. And I believe that every desire of her heart um, was, was come, came into fruition during that period where she had pampering for 12 months in preparation for presentation for the king, in preparation to become queen, to step into a royal place. And I'm going to ask you to say a little bit of a provocative question tonight, because I believe at some, time, some points during our walk with God, we can go on this process where we're learning about the mindset of royalty. We can go on this process where we're learning about who we are. And at some point, we can forsake the process and we can stay at one point. And that's the point where we're constantly, how is my need going to be met? How can I uh, have my wants fulfilled? How can I have my desires realized? And when we get into a position like that, the focus shifts from what's around us to what's inside of us. Now that's a good thing and it's a noble thing because at times we need hope for all our despair. At times we need confidence for every insecurity we have. At times we need vision for where it's begun to wane. But if we stay in that place, it becomes a dangerous thing. Because here's what I believe. I don't believe royalty is just about privilege. I don't believe it's just about ceremonial function, but I believe royalty is responsibility. We have a responsibility as well. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to go back to the story, right? So she gets presented to the king. She becomes queen of the land. It's an exciting time. Very shortly after, I feel like a storyteller. This is so cool. Very shortly after, there's um, one of the king's advisors, Haman, uh, manages to coerce the king into uh, passing a decree that declares on one day a year from now, no matter where you are within the land, you can exterminate any Jew that is in your city or in your town. It's just a one-day holocaust where they would annihilate a whole generation, where they'd annihilate a whole race of people. It's a wicked and an evil, evil idea. When Mordecai, Esther's cousin, who's Jewish, hears about this, he runs into the middle of the city and he's freaking out. When Esther finds out, she goes down to find Mordecai and she says, what's going on? And he says this to her. He says, look, this is what's gonna happen. If nothing goes on, if nothing is done about it, we will all die. And he says, you need to do something about it. And she says, well, I can't. If I present myself in front of the king and he does not want to see me, I will be killed. It's too risky. If I present myself and he raises his golden scepter, then I can go in and make my demand. But it's too risky of a plan. Mordecai says this to her, and it's a pretty amazing thing. He says, he says you cannot stay silent. Well, if you stay silent, deliverance to, for the Jews will come from another place. But you will meet the faint, same fate as us. You cannot escape it. But then he goes on to say, maybe. In Ephesians 4, they'll put it up on the screen. It says, maybe. I know it, but I want to read it properly. <laughs> Ephesians 14. Oh, it says this. He says, maybe you were made royalty. And who knows? <laughs> Close, close, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna stand up so those soy close. smoothies. Are, all right, put, put the scripture back up. He says this, 
And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Royalty is not just about privilege, blessing, favor, and pampering. All of those things are good, but we get all of those for a reason because royalty is about responsibility. And I don't know where God's positioned you. I don't know where you're at, whether it's school, work. He's positioned you there for a reason, to be royal into that place, to have authority in that place, and to lead in that place. Royalty is all about responsibility, and I think we get stuck. How can my need be met? How can my wants be fulfilled? But God is saying, no, don't wait 10 years, don't wait 20 years. I've positioned you exactly where I've positioned you to be royal and have authority in that place, because the function of a queen or a king was not to, just a ceremonial thing, to stand there and wave like this. It wasn't like that. The function of a king was to expand their territory, to make a new rule, to implant new things, and to correct injustices. So no matter where you are, that's your responsibility. God has positioned you there to bring hope when it's needed. God's positioned you in your workplace that when you see injustices, you will stand up and speak into it. That is our responsibility. Let's <laughs> give it up for Ben. Yeah. I got excited. I was like, yeah. <laughs> going to fall off. <laughs> All good. Hey, tonight, just to cap up, um, the reality is, what we've talked about tonight is simply this, that you are royal, that you are a son and daughter of God, of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that God's called you to be someone that carries authority, someone that carries dominion, someone that carries the significance in your heart, someone that carries power in your life. But with that call, like Leela said, becomes a standard. When we, when we step into God, when we step into the things of God, there's, there's things in our new life and this new way of living as a son and daughter of God that we do have to leave behind and say, no, that's not part of who I'm going to be. Why? Because it, it does come with a responsibility, like Ben said. Because God's called us to be this position of, uh, to, to be ones that dream and, and live and, and carry an authority and a power. Why? Because there's people in our world that need it. They're like Ben said, need you turning up to work. Go on, come on, it's not just ordinary, it's not just ordinary Tavita turning up today. It's the son of the king turning up today. Come on, it's just not ordinary Scott walking around, you know, my family, walking around my friends today. Come on, it's the son, it's one that has access to God. It's not just ordinary me that's going through the struggle or believing for finance. No, it's a son that has access to a king that has limited resource. And I believe in order to serve the world around us, it starts with us, first of all, believing, understanding, knowing. Come on, this is how God's called you to live. It's the mindset God's called you to carry. And tonight, why don't, why don't we give it up for the team tonight? Sorry about the video's not working. You can go home and watch that. But tonight, come on, I, just in, in, when we're talking and believing into tonight, my, I, I believe that even for some of us, that there's a, there's a sense that God wants to renew some of your thinking. Because you've been dreaming and operating, living at, at one level, but there's still stuff that can come in and, and bring you down and you come underneath. But the reality is royalty has a sense that you rule, you have dominion, you have authority, and you got to dream and understand and know that God's called you. He's positioned you. He died for you so you can live a life 
knowing that there's significance in your world, but also knowing that you can walk into your world, knowing that the King of Kings has your back, that an unlimited God has His arms open towards you. And tonight, why don't we all jump to our feet just as we wrap up tonight. The band can come on. But I, I even feel there's a sense that, come on, God's just, He's wanting you to dream. Dream like royalty. Dream like you're unlimited. And why, why don't you close your eyes? And in a moment, we're going to go into a song. And we're just going to lift up the name of Jesus. For some of you tonight, you just got to let it sink in. Because the devil can use your past to accuse you. Ah, oh, this is who you are. Come on, this is all you're good for. This is all that's going on. The devil will try and use your past to accuse you, but what Jesus did on the cross is when he died, your sins were wiped away from you. I mean, your past was put to death, but the decision for us is what are we agreeing with? Come on, the, are we going to agree with the accuser or are we going to agree with the king that says, you're my son? You're my daughter. You're my chosen one. You're born to live with royalty. So all across the room tonight, come on, why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands and just allow the king, come on, right now to speak into your world. For some of you, you got to lift your eyes and dream at a whole new level. Come on, a limitless God. Come on, allow God to speak. Allow Him to open your heart, open your mind. Let us sink in. You're a son.